Kitty Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacy LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Sally Williams. Sally is a cat behaviorist and founder director of the Brody Fund. She's excited to share her new mission called the Feline Fine Project. Over the past few years as a cat behaviorist and the founding director of the Brody Fund, Sally became more and more aware of the number of cats that were not getting annual wellness checks. She started wondering why out of all of the grants now given by the Brody Fund, so few were to cats. And then as a behaviorist, she wondered why when asked, so many people couldn't remember their cat's last vet visit. Her research started and the statistics were alarming. Of 83% of cats taken to a veterinarian in the first year of ownership, less than half returned. About 82% of dog owners take their dogs to the vet annually and only 55% of cat owners do the same. As a cat guardian, advocate, and behaviorist, Sally understands the many reasons why cats don't see a vet and what the obstacles are carrier, car ride, etc. But she also knows that most of these can be easily addressed. That's where the Feline Fine Project steps in. Sally's goal is to educate and offer solutions so that we can move the needle on these percentages. All cats not only deserve, but need annual wellness exams. Sally knows we can do better, and it will be her mission to help make that happen. Sally, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So Hooch and I are both here, and we are welcoming you to the show. So folks, uh, you'll hear Hooch a little bit in the background. He can sometimes be chatty, but hopefully he won't be today. But cats are welcome at the Community Cats podcast. So for folks that don't remember, Sally's been a previous guest on the Community Cats podcast. If you want to find out more about her background, feel free to check out communitycatspodcast.com. Go into the search bar and just put Sally or Williams in the search bar and her past show will come right on up. It's been about, oh, I say a year, year and a half or so since we've last touched base. Before we jump into the Feline Fine Project, Sally, let's, uh, let's have a quick update uh, about the Brody Fund and some of the stories about your own cats. Well, and you may hear Marlon in the background speaking of. He was just (laughs) passing through and meowing and saying hello. So the Brody Fund celebrated our third anniversary. And at this point, 37 grants and $82,000 given to families in need that have pets diagnosed with cancer. So we're really proud of our accomplishments. And we also expanded to another state. So we were helping with veterinarians in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And we have participating veterinarians on our website that you can see who we actually work with, but expanded to a hospital called BRCC Specialty Hospital in Englewood, Colorado. And the unique thing about this one was we partnered with another organization who shared the same vision and mission that we do, and they're called Karma Sue. So that was a unique way for us to expand, and we're really excited about that and excited to be out in Colorado. And I think our first four or five grants in 2019 were actually to that hospital. So the need was great. That's excellent. I mean, $82,000, that's quite a lot of money. But then again, it's also treating cancer, right? So treating cancer, actually, that money doesn't go that far. Yeah. And the thing is, we don't cap. So if we have it, we give it. And that's one of the things, you know, we don't cap. We 
don't base on age. So a lot of our grants have been to senior pets and we don't make our grants based off of, and it's going to sound strange at first, diagnosis and prognosis. And what I mean is that some people might think three to six months would sound like a poor prognosis, but the Birdie Fund understands the importance of the gift of time. And as long as the pet is going to tolerate treatment and feel good and have a good quality of life, we give a grant to that family and to that pet. That's great. It's, it's somewhat of a need-blind type scenario or situation, but I, it's also, it could be challenging as more grants, more applications come in. Yeah, it might not financially yes. be the best for the Brody Fund, but it just, it makes us work harder. We just work hard to make sure that we can continue to do this. It was very important when I started the mission that we do all that. I wanted to help everybody that we could, because the reality is most of the dogs and cats that get cancer uh, are seniors. So, so, um, I mean, a cat at seven is considered a senior. I think that's really young, but that's what it is. So, and senior dogs are 50%, there's a 50% chance they will develop cancer. So it was important that, you know, we didn't not include seniors and sometimes cancer is just aggressive and we still want to help that family because I've been fortunate. I had 13 months with Brody and Marlin's at the 11 month mark, but some families that's not the possibility, but there could be a difference of without treatment, it would be a month, but with treatment, it could be six months. And then there's also the unique scenario. And I shouldn't even use the word unique. It's just less common, but it happens where a diagnosis of given is given of three to four months, but yet the pet lives a year or so. So why wouldn't we want to knowing that that's also a possibility? Do you have specific requirements on the veterinarians that are used before we hit the record button? We were talking about some sort of alternative treatments using things like CBD and that kind of thing. Do you have specifics around the veterinarians or do you work with the specific veterinarian that maybe already has a relationship with that cat? We initially started working with Red Bank Veterinary Hospital because that's where my relationship was. And then one of their vets uh, started her own practice, and she is a conventional oncologist, but also a holistic veterinarian. So she has all the tools in her toolbox. So we like that. She, her name is Dr. Kendra Pope. She's in Red Bank, New Jersey. And then we expanded to Animal Medical Center in Manhattan, Veterinary Cancer Center in Connecticut. And it was more that these were veterinarians I was familiar with, oncologists that we we know and we know are amazing doctors and Colorado is a hub for oncology. So we really knew that was a place we wanted to expand to. So I go to all these hospitals, take a tour, meet with the staff, meet with the doctors, meet with the hospital director to make sure that we're the right fit in both sides for them and for us. So that's kind of how we choose. I mean, I would love to say we could just open up to every single state, but we would exhaust all our funding. So there is a process for how we choose and how we expand. So you had Brody's story in the last episode. Now tell us Marlon's story. So Marlon is my 10-year-old tabby, beautiful little boy. And I have four cats and I, I'm one of those who is constantly touching, you know, looking in mouths, eyes, paws, doing all that. A, because it helps with the vet visits. B, just because I want to be on top of everything and notice changes. And I was petting him one day and I felt a little something that wasn't very alarming because I have four cats and sometimes, <laughs> you know, there's a little scrape here or there. And I kind of checked it out. It was maybe the size of a freckle and didn't look like much, but 
initially at that point, he was due for his, he has a, a nutritionist and he was due for his nutrition appointment. So she just briefly looked at it and said, I'm not very concerned about it, but if anything looks any different or gets bigger or changes or whatever, and I knew he was due for his annual wellness check, which is something we will get into later. And I thought, you know what, let me just take him in a little bit early and have her take a look at it. And she didn't really like the way it looked. So she biopsied it and it came back. It was a mast cell tumor. Thank goodness that I just bumped up his annual wellness check. And then because of my background and my experience at the Brody Fund, I immediately took him to the oncologist because I thought, you know, I'm not going to even wait on anything because mast cell tumors in cats typically are not something that you worry about. That surgery removes the mast cell tumor and that's usually all you need. But when I took Marlon to the vet, it had already metastasized to a lymph node. I couldn't even feel it. And Dr. Pope was showing me, feel this right here. I could not feel his lymph node enlarged. And so that just shows you, you know, your gut's telling you something, go with it. And that saved his life. So him having an annual wellness check and then me being proactive and going to the oncologist saved his life. He had surgery successfully to remove that mast cell tumor and the lymph node. But it's strange that his mast cell disease is acting as if more like he was a dog. Hmm. Dogs have mast cell tumors and once they start coming, they just keep popping up. So that's kind of what happened in Marlon's case. So he's had at this point, he's had two removed. He has seven on his body right now. We're not going to remove them all because we don't want to keep having surgery. So he's on um, a chemo regimen and we measure them. And so he's been getting chemo for 11 months now. And his last ultrasound was perfect, blood work perfect. So he's doing great. He will be on chemo for the rest of his life. And we give it at home so he doesn't have to go to the vet and get it. We do it in a way where it's not a chemo pill. It's his magic pill because it gives him the gift of life. So we've made it kind of this fun ceremony. And it's not like I sit down and it's a pill and He actually comes in and he gets treats and then he gets, you know, his uh, magic pill. And I mean, 11 months where I hope we have 11 more and 11 more and 11 more. But right now, every day is a gift and we're so thrilled and he's really happy. And that's the most important thing. Marlon does not know he has cancer. Quality of life is so very important and having that connection with your cat and understanding what they're feeling or trying your best efforts to understand what they're feeling and, you know, if they're comfortable versus uncomfortable. And there's definitely an incredible amount of communication that happens, especially when our cats have some sort of a sickness or cancer, or some sort of disease going on and also potentially approaching their end of life. In 11 months, he's had two visits outside of his regular visits. So I think that's remarkable. I mean, that could have happened if he didn't have cancer. (laughs) So it's not like he's at the vet all the time outside of his regular appointments. And I mean, he has an Instagram page called Marlon the Buddha Cat. And he shares his story so that people can see and be inspired that a pet, in his case, a cat, can have a good quality of life. He goes out on the porch. They they have called themselves Marlin Nation now. He has his own T-shirt. He really, it's he's so inspiring. We get mail all the time. I get private messages from people saying, I have a cat with cancer. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And he's really such an inspiration. And he's my teacher. I learned from him to live in the moment and enjoy every day. It's wonderful. Obviously, I wish he didn't have cancer, but he does. You know, we make the best. Like I said, he doesn't know. And we just love every day together. He's an amazing cat. That's quite impressive. (laughs) 
Hey everyone, Hooch and I are here today to talk about Dr. Elsie's cat litter. Dr. Elsie's cat litter is known to be the best litter on the market, and Hooch agrees. Many of you know that Hooch was a foster cat of mine that I adopted while at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. We did use the Touch of Outdoors litter as we transitioned him from being an indoor-outdoor kitty to an indoor-only kitty. I'm thrilled that Hooch found his home with me, but there were many times when folks would call me saying their kitty didn't use the litter box. I was also thrilled that Dr. Elsie's Cat Attract litter came out as it gave me a resource to share with others that was affordable and in most cases successful in keeping this kitty in their home. As a special benefit to Community Cats podcast listeners, Dr. Elsie's is offering a rebate up to $20 off your first bag of any Dr. Elsie's litter. Just visit drelsies.com forward slash community cats podcast to print your rebate or fill out the online form. Try Dr. Elsie's today and you won't regret it. Let's chat about Feline Fine projects. So after you were working with the Brody Fund and putting that all together, and you had these discoveries that I mentioned earlier in the show, tell me specifically, what does the program do? And why is it that you just feel that folks with their cat, do you think they just don't have an interest or they can't afford? I mean, a lot of people may think they just can't afford to bring their cats to the vets on a regular basis. So the whole point of the Feline Fund project was to advocate and to educate about the importance of annual wellness exams. And obviously, I just gave you one story of Marlin, and I get messages all the time about how an annual wellness exam saved a life. So one of the things that really jumped out at me when I started looking, we talked a little bit about this, that the Brody Fund has given 37 grants, but only 10 to cats. So why is that? Why am I not getting applications? We're not turning them away. We're just not getting them. And then I started thinking about, you know, as a behaviorist, when the first questions I ask on a phone call before I go out to the home is, when was the last time you've been to the vet? And often cat owners can't answer that, or in some cases, they don't even have a vet. So when I started doing some digging, I found that one of the statistics said 9.6% of cats owned in the U.S. will never see a vet. And I thought, 9.6? Well, that's, you know, that doesn't sound so bad. But when you do the math, it's 9.4 million cats will not see a vet. And so that really got me thinking, well, why is that? And sure, some of it is financial. Some of it is that people, 81% of cat owners believe their cats are self-sufficient and in excellent health. And we do know that cats don't go outside like dogs do. So people think like they're not going to pick up the diseases. They are not exposed to ticks and pesticides and all these things. But cats uh, notoriously suffer in silence. And if you've had cats throughout your life, you know this. Cats often don't show when they're not feeling good. So it's really important that we're getting them to the vet because sometimes we miss things. It's also important to have a marker. So from year to year to year, because if you don't go for four or five years and something is wrong, they don't know what, what your cat was looking like last year. How was the blood work last year? How was his weight last year? Uh, there's so many different things. So if we don't really have that history, we can't see if this was just really sudden or if this was a slow progression. So it's really important that we're getting them there annually because oftentimes we can catch diseases early on and reverse them and or just have our cats feeling a lot better because we're treating things like hyperthyroidism or diabetes and things like that. 
So, you know, we're talking about 9% of people with cats will never see a, a veterinarian. And obviously, over the last 10 to 15 years, there's been an incredible trend towards the development of high-volume spay-neuter clinics. And they've really helped with reducing the overpopulation situation for cats all around the country because they have broken down some barriers to accessibility and affordability for folks that need a discounted price to get their cat spay-neuter, and especially also the shelter protocol calls now with adoption, spay neuter before adoption. So that's also a really great thing that's happened to help reduce cat overpopulation. But with that said, then maybe the community feels like it's one and done. And like when you adopt a cat and it's like already done, that it doesn't need to take that next step and develop a relationship with a veterinarian. Do you feel that those changes have maybe hurt the process of connecting folks with cats with their veterinarians? I understand the same thing happens with dogs, but I do feel that society has a different mental attitude around dogs, unfortunately, versus cats. They do. I think it's really important. And yes, low cost clinics are wonderful and a great way of people getting back in for annual wellness checks in an affordable manner. But it is important that whether it's a traditional veterinary practice, a low cost clinic, that the vets are talking about this. Just like you would get a dentist, get a reminder card. It's important that they are talking about so in a year and sending out a reminder or at that point, if it's on you to write it in your calendar, you know, know, this is when I figure a year out and getting your cat back. Because it's very true that the numbers are in 80 something percent of after their initial visit, they don't go back. This is a very personal decision for people. Some people don't vaccinate with indoor cats. You know, that's not my place to say whether anybody should or shouldn't when it comes to vaccinations. But if people vaccinate that, that's when they go back a lot of times is because they have to get a vaccine. So if they're not doing that, they may not go back. So I think a lot of times veterinarians need to be talking about the importance of annual wellness checks. So if you have pet insurance, pet insurance covers it. If you can't afford pet insurance, I say to people, put away what you can. I mean, if it's a dollar a day, you have a vet visit covered in 200 days, basically. And that would include tip to tail check with blood work. I just believe there's always a way. And if you find yourself on hard times, you're on disability, you've lost your job. There are organizations out there that are like the Brody Fund, but not for cancer that can help pay for cost of these things. There's always a way for some somebody to get their cat in. You know, I mean, and then there's obviously the other things where people say they're too hard to transport, they don't know how to get them in the carrier, things like that. And those are things that if people are having problems with them, they can come find me at the Feline Fine Project and say, I'm having challenges with getting my cat into the carrier. What are some recommendations that you can make? So I'm there as a service too to talk to people as a behaviorist. And I'm happy to give those kinds of pieces of advice. People can send me a private message or email me and we can talk about those kind of tips. That's easy. Yeah, and you were just talking about vaccines. So a lot of cats now are getting the three-year rabies vaccine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're getting them actually at community vaccination clinics in their community. So that's not even involving a visit to a veterinarian. But even if you are, if you're going to the veterinarian to get a three-year rabies shot, you are still recommending an annual wellness check, correct? Oh, absolutely. And once a year, and then if you have a senior pet or a special needs cat, they should be going twice a year. Um, So seniors should be seen more often because things can change quickly. So we want to be going twice a year as a senior, or if you have some sort of whether you're a cat, maybe it's hypothyroidism or diabetes or any kind of thing where you're giving medication on a regular basis, you should be and likely are going more often. 
Would you recommend folks, even if they have like a really hard to handle cat or a high strung cat or anxious cat? My daughter has a kitty named Maggie who hates the veterinarian and hates being in a carrier and does all the foaming at the mouth and the panting and all that stuff. So even in a situation like that in an area, I mean, my first recommendation would say get a home visiting veterinarian for that kind of situation. Home visits are wonderful. But if that is not possible or the home visiting veterinarians can be more expensive and they certainly don't have access to as many of the diagnostic tools that you might need with an older kitty, would you recommend that? Or are there some tips or tools that might be helpful to help a kitty calm down before making the trip to the vet? Yeah. One of the things I say is if the carrier, because often what happens is that we take our cat to the vet, we come home, we put the carrier away and that's the cat never sees it again for a year. And so in my house, uh, the carriers are out all the time and they become a safe space for my cats. So they have a nice blanket in them. They go in and they sleep in them. And so if your cat's not initially doing that, bring your carrier out. You can put something that smells like you in the carrier, something that's comforting. There are products like Feel Away Spray. You can spray the inside of the carrier. Um, You can start by offering treats right in front of the carrier and then slowly trickle the treats into the carrier to get the cat feeling more comfortable going in and out. And then it could be simply starting with once your cat's in the carrier, zipping it closed and then unzipping it and letting them walk out. So they're not going anywhere. I mean, you can do this in real baby steps. And then, you know, the next time you get them in the carrier using treats, you zip it up and pick it up and put it down. You can literally do it that slowly. Also think of it. I mean, dogs, they go to the vet very easily because they're Every time they're in the car, it doesn't mean they're going to the vet. So they have happy rides. Uh, my guy, Marlon, who goes so often, I made things easier for him. We started taking trips and going to the bank with me and <laughs> going to the post office with me. And he's comfortable in his carrier now. And this was something that, I mean, he was never super difficult to get into the carrier. I like top loading carriers. I think those are generally easier. So mine front loads and top loads. And I think sometimes we have carriers that are too small. I see people trying to like kind of shove in, um, make sure the carrier is the right size for your cat. Some cats do better in sided carriers. I would say the ones that are maybe a little bit more challenging to get into the carrier, it should be a hard side because that door closes faster. And then sometimes it's just easier for a, a cat to have something covering the carrier. You know, they don't want to see that car ride. They don't want to see the inside of the vet. Then when you get that you can make a choice ahead of time, look around and see if you have a feline-friendly practice or a fear-free practice. They are trained in how to work with fearful animals, so the experience is very different. Um, So, you know, there are sites you can go on the fear-free website and try to find a practice near you or the AAFE and find a cat-friendly practice. And if you don't have that option and your cat is fearful at the vet, call ahead. Make sure your appointment is running on time. If not, when you go in, you can be asked to just be put right in the room so that your cat isn't exposed to the dogs and the barking and the loud noise. There are a lot of different things that we can be doing. Um, There's natural supplements. We talked about I have CBDs at home because of Marlon having cancer. It's one of the tools in his cancer toolbox, but it's also calming. And I have a cat at home that's a little bit nervous and we've started giving him the CBDs. So that's something that you can use before a vet visit or products like Zilkeen. There are calming treats. There are all different products that you can use ahead of time that just take the edge off. 
Now, that's not in the case of a cat that might be labeled as fractious or a cat that really just is super duper challenging. And then the home visits a possibility or you can have a discussion with your vet if it, you know, all cases aren't working, a sedative can. Or if you feel it's absolutely in the most extreme too stressful, then maybe it's something that you don't do as often. I mean, that would be the obvious last resort because I am advocating for annual wellness checks. But I feel like there's a lot of steps that you can take before you would have to make that decision. And that would be more in the case of maybe a semi-feral or feral cat that you have living in your home. So it's November, and I believe you mentioned it's Cancer Awareness Month. (laughs) Is there anything that we can do, anything we can do for Cancer Awareness Month, you know, in our communities to help bring this topic about in our communities? I would say to visit the Brody Fund website and share some information. There are great links on there that talk about the signs potentially of cancer, things that we can be doing for early detection. There are great resources on there for people. If you know somebody who has a pet with cancer who might be having a hard time, um, I would go to the website and, you know, we all have social media now. We can just share something and put it out there. You never know who you might reach. So for folks that want to reach out to you, Brody Fund's website is the best place to go? Uh, Thebrodyfund.org, correct. And on there, you know, you can direct contact me through there. You can reach me at sally at brodyfund.org, or you can go directly to the website, sure. Sally, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I would say that let's move that needle. Let's change the statistics. I want to know that we are doing what we are doing in the dog community, that we're doing it in the cat community. So let's help move that number from 50%. Let's get that higher and let's get our cats to the vet because we want to keep our cats healthy. That would be my message. Sally, thank you so much for joining me today and agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. Wow.